And, and sometimes that means saying no or running interference with your bosses, right? Because they have a different list of, of deliverables and objectives and whatnot. And I think that in, in your career, without going into a ton of detail, but that was a big part of your job as a leader is to run interference and protect the people that are working for you. Would, would you agree? For, for sure. Yeah. Like in my old fire chief job, that was like the number one priority. You're, we're dealing with mostly volunteer firefighters. They have to be protected from everything at all costs. Not just the dangerous stuff, not just running into fires, but from the people that say not nice stuff on social media to the pressures that come from the budget or equipment purchases or, right? At the end of the day, they just want to come and help out. They don't want to have all that other pressure. Every leader at every company has the same sort of stuff. Some things you got to get help with and you can put to your people. Some pe- some things you can't and you've got to take that on your shoulders. And that's tough. And so as the leader, you really got to protect yourself. You got to practice some self-help and things like that. Are you talking to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about going home and talking to your wife or your husband or whoever you got at home, if you have someone at home, if you're lucky enough to have that, but who else in your peers, your friends, you know, your coworkers, who else can you talk to? And and this pandemic for me, you have to find those positive things. And a lot of those positive things are reaching out and talking to people that I, I don't get a chance to talk to every day, but checking on them, having them check on me having phone calls back and forth that you don't always have and that's all part of being a good person and so why don't leaders reach out like why i i have my own theories behind it because we're always our own worst enemies right we say take care of yourselves take care of yourselves hydrate go talk to somebody and then like we're the last ones to do it and then you just get somebody hey idiot when have you talked to somebody oh it's a good point. I'm different. So, so, what, so yeah. why don't leaders typically do that? It is tough being at the top. We all know that. As a leader, I think you're so busy taking care of everybody else and making all those decisions and trying to keep the ship running that sometimes it gets away from you. I can tell you from my own experience, that's for sure happened to me in my career. You just get to that point where you really can't fix everybody's problems anymore and and that starts to crush down on you and so then what do you do with that and but it is it's important you gotta reset and i'm not saying that you have to go away for a week right now that's almost impossible but you you might have to take an hour and just say hey i'm not going to answer any phone calls for an hour i'm not going to answer any emails for an hour i'm going to go and do something different i'm going to engage in a different way maybe i'm going to go for a run maybe i'm going to watch a tv show Maybe I'm going to go play with my kids or walk my dog. It doesn't really matter, but you have to find those times to disengage. And I know that everybody thinks that there's times where everything is so important and everything has to get decided right now. But I can tell you that during a pandemic, there's times to take an hour for yourself. This is watching a train wreck in slow motion. You absolutely know that it's going to be terrible at the end but it's happening so slow that it's really hard to watch sometimes. And so uh, you've got to take that time. And I think to add on to that, it's important that you 
tell people that you're taking that time? Because as leaders, would you agree that we need to walk the walk? And if we're going to say something, we need to have the integrity to, to follow up. So if you are going to check out for an hour or two or a day, have the courage to say that, hey, I'm taking care of myself. Would you agree that that's also important? For sure. I can remember one of the toughest discussions I had during the 2011 fire was uh, on day six. We got the word that everyone needed to take a break. And so everyone was going to be cycled out 48 hours leave. And it was non-negotiable. And you can imagine to go in and these people have been fighting a war for six days. A lot of them lost houses, their friends, their family. There was nobody that was untouched by this. And I I just said, hey, we have to protect ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves. And so basically, I'm going and these people are going with me. And, and we're going. And then when that's over, here's the next list. And when that's over, here's the next list. And it's non-negotiable. There'll be the people that stamp their feet and yell and scream. And you got to do what you got to do. And that's okay. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be the first one to go. And so there's no reason for anybody else to say that they don't have to go. And I think a lot of people, once you tell them to go, that's different than them voluntarily doing it because you're forcing them. And to them, that gives them an out as well, right? Like, so there's a pride thing within that. But my experience, just like yours, you have to tell people, put the bone down and walk away for a little bit. That is an order. And in fact, I've never had to be direct in any other circumstance going back until it comes time to tell somebody to take a break. Like yeah. just if I rattle through my mind, I'll, that's when I've had to be heavy. And would, is that the same for you? It, it is for sure. I think in the, the big disasters that you and I are used to, um, there's lots of people coming to help and things are going on and, and there's windows to go and do that. The trouble with this one is that slow motion part. It, it's really, we've been watching this train crash into a car for two months now. And every day you wake up and go, did it hit? No, not quite yet. And, and it's going to. And so it's really hard to disengage. Another thing is where do you go when you disengage? You're supposed to be at your house or just in your office and you're not having all of this social interaction that we're used to. We can't run away to Mexico for a week holiday. You can't uh, go to Calgary for the weekend and, and hang out at the hotel. You can't, well, there's all these things that you might've been able to do that you can't do. So people are being forced to find other things. And that's tough because a lot of leaders, a lot of leaders, we're basically workaholics. We love this. We're working every day, at least. And when you tell us to stop, we're not that interested in that. Right? Right. We, we love to lead. We love to work. We love to do the job. We're, we're dedicated. We're committed. We're, we're into it. And so to leave and try and go do something else, what am I going to go do? Yeah, especially when, hey, Jamie, let's go for a beer. We can't. <laughs> Can't do that, right? you know, we can't, and we can't go to our friend's house and hang out and right like i guess you and I, we could have on a computer yeah that's it so we should have done this over a beer you know, <laughs> taking a shot good. each time <laughs> i don't know 
so let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious because the Jamie of 2011 and 2020 is a different Jamie from a leadership perspective than new officer. So what was the, the new officer Jamie Coots like in terms of leadership, if you even thought about it in that term? So then I want to take us from there and, and we'll fast forward. We'll go back to the future a little bit. And sure. So you, you get on the job. What was leadership to you when you were young? I think even to that point, I'd come away from the deputy job, which is like purely operational, to the fire chief job, which is more administrative and less operational where I am. And I really had no idea, I think, at that point, what leadership meant, right? I'd taken some classes and some university stuff, and I'd taken my fire training and read some books and read some magazines and but like true real leadership I wasn't really given any training I came up through the ranks and really time was a measure of how good of a leader you were going to be which is a terrible way to base solely if you're going to be a good leader or not and so I, I think that if I knew then what I know now hindsight is 2020 and, and it's fantastic I think, though, also is maybe I wasn't open to hearing all those lessons. And, and why not? Yeah. One was I was young. I was a young fire chief, right? I, I got a, a big position at a young age. Two, I think that uh, I'll just throw it out there. Ego, turf, time, and money. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I don't think way back then that I understood that those four things had such big implications. And so what were they again, just for everyone? <laughs> Ego, which I had a big one. Turf, right? Fighting all the turf wars all the time. Uh, time, that you're in a race for time or out of time. And money. And money is always a powerful factor. If you took money out of the equation right now, everyone would stay home and it would be no problem. Yeah, true. Money is a big driver right now. How am I going to pay for everything I got? And so what role did Ego play as Jamie, the young leader? And just so you know, this is also Daryl, the young leader, but we're talking <laughs> to you. So. I, think it's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a lot of us, the young leader. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think that I'd had a pretty good career up till then. I, <clears throat> I was a decent firefighter. I'd learned a lot of things at a young age. We'd had a lot of successes. We'd knocked a lot of fires down. We'd stopped a lot in their tracks. And I think... That success builds a, builds a bit of, I think, that success builds an ego. And you, whatever is going to happen, it's no problem. We got this. It doesn't matter if it's a flood or a fire or a car accident or whatever's going on. We got this. And so I'd had a, a pretty good career and a great fire department and we, we'd crushed it. And so my ego was pretty big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's not an indictment by any stretch. I think that's completely normal because I look at my own journey when I became a leader or leaders, I'll use air quotes on that. It was always about me, right? It was about me being in charge. It was about me being able to do other, make decisions and look at me. Everybody supports me to a certain extent. And also too, I think we're all a product of our environment from when we 
the model that we look to is typically our own leadership. And to us, that's what leadership was. And as we grew up, it was that bombastic, leader-centric, confident, almost arrogant, lead from the front kind of individual, which served us really well. But let's now jump to current day Jamie Coots. What what has changed there? Obviously, your ego is still raging, but... Well, but you're able to keep it <laughs> in a little yeah. bit more. You know what? I think it's that hindsight stuff. So I think that as a young kid, we moved every 12 to 18 months. That was just a thing in our family because of my dad's work. And we had to go to new schools all the time. So we learned to make friends fast. By lunchtime on the first day, I'd have 50 friends because I didn't know when I was moving again. So you had to move fast. And so you take that and you make that a part of it like really caring and really, but doing it quickly. So now when we get new teammates on the team, I want to know all about them. What's going on? Who's in your family? How many kids you got? What's, I learned that lesson young and I apply it better today. I think that you learn over time that there's always someone better than you. It's just how it goes. So instead of worrying about measuring yourself to that person, why don't you just measure yourself against how you were yesterday, last week, last month, last year. And as long as you continue to do better and learn and, and progress, I think that's good enough. And, and so maybe some of that's age, some of that's learning through these different things that have happened, but you really start to be able to look inside of yourself and say, Hey, I, I got to do better. For me, I've had some really stressful times. And so we've had to, I've had to go and figure out how to handle stress differently to how, how am I going to move from one day to the next without, let, without letting that bottle up, without feeling like I'm going to have the big jammer every second day. How, how do you handle that stress? How do you move forward? And, and so, so let's talk tactics around that because that's an important point that we typically don't talk a lot about. So what does that look like for Jamie Coots in terms of stress management? Because back in the day, it was just go for beers, don't talk about it, and do your next call. But what does it look like now? Uh, for me, hobbies. I think I had to go out and get some hobbies, some stuff that I could do that wasn't work. I'd be the first one to tell you, workaholic, seven days a week, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, and wishing the days were longer so I could do more. So taking more time off, taking time with my family, finding some ways to, it might sound weird. Some people drink, some people do other stuff. I I like to watch a couple hours of TV. I like to disengage from this world and move into another world and kind of get my brain on that and then go to bed and not be thinking about work. I think that I would always cheat my sleep schedule. So if I was working 16 hours, then I'd say, okay, that's okay. Cause tomorrow I'll sleep in. And so I'd like sleep in two extra minutes and that was good enough. Now I, I make sure I get my solid six every night and, and go from there. Exercising was a huge one. And, I didn't and, and even when you talk about time off, it's gotta be guilt-free time off. Right. And I, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a big part of it too, where, it's one thing to take your time off. You, yeah, I'm, I'm not working, but you're still on your phone. Exactly. At least even monitoring email. But now it's probably, at least for me, 
when I'm checked out, I'm checked out. And I also know that I'm not so arrogant to think that just because I'm not there, things aren't going to run well. But, but I, when I take my time off, it's relatively guilt-free. And what are your thoughts on that? Would you agree? I think that it's, yeah, guilt-free is a good way to put it, right? You put an hour into a workout, that's for you. It's to make you better, healthier, better, a better person, ready to go. So I, you can't feel guilty about that. I, I think that people may try, outside influences may try to make you feel guilty that you're not the first one there and you don't stay till the end. And But some of that's just in your head too. And so we got to find that way to balance that. I get paid this many hours. I don't mind donating this many hours in a week, but the rest of the time I got to go and find something else to do. If you live, breathe and die for work, that's exactly what will happen. You'll all your memories and everything that you do will be about work. There's lots of other important things. It's easy to lose track of that, especially during everything that's going on right now. You could just be looking on your phone and, and reading social media things and news updates 24 hours a day if you want. The world is, something's happening in the world all the time. The problem is you, you need to disengage from that and go and think of other things. You can't just be thinking about this. And, and I think self, or not even selfishly, but we also have to recognize that if we're not taking self-care, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice, but the actual team and the job a disservice. And, and I know that you've gone through periods of your life where basically burnout, for lack of a better word. Um, so what, what impact does that have where you're just, as a leader, pushing yourself way too hard and you're just not, you're not disengaging? What impact does that have on, on you and the people around you? Sure. I, I think if just for me, I'll just take my life. If I look back, I wasn't an effective leader. I was a hair trigger guy. There, there was like physically, there was times I felt like I was having a heart attack. That it's, uh, and you get to that point, to that wall where you're just not doing anybody any good. And so you got to make a change. You got to change the way you are. For me, I think as I went along, a lot of the things that I heard people say were, well, you're not the same guy anymore. You don't act like you used to act. And, and so that bugged me because um, I liked being the person that I was. And so as that changed, I really didn't like that. I didn't want to change. I didn't want to become all about work and become this leader that, um, you know, basically those leaders that I despised all my way up. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be a good guy that cared and was building a team and, and cared about the team. And I, I think you got to, as a leader, decide what kind of leader you want to be and stay true to that. And mm -hmm. so if, if you can work 16 hours a day for a couple of weeks on a big project, that's okay. But then don't let that become your life. Like right now it's busy and hectic and, your plants trying to turn out a bunch of equipment or something that's going to help the cause. I, I get it. Go at it. Use that drive, use that dedication and commitment, but you can't do it forever. And, and yeah. this really is a slow motion thing. It's not. It's a marathon. And so I don't want to lose sight of the fact when you said be the leader that you would want to be. So 
how important is it for people to be deliberate with regard to what kind of leader do I want to be? Um, yeah. What, is it, what do you think about that? Does it matter if I sit down and say, I want to be one that's respected? Who cares? Doesn't it just matter that you're doing the job? Yeah. I, to me, it matters. I, to each person, you have to decide. Some people get off on being the jerk that nobody likes that runs around yelling at everybody. That's not my way. But each person has to find their own way. And, and so for me, each time in my life that I went on and I lost my way, I wanted to get back to how I wanted to be. And there's lots of different ways to lead. Some are different than others. Some are better or worse. You could fight about it all day long. You could write a book on it, I guess, if you're Daryl Black. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have to do, you do really have to think about who you want to be, what kind of leader you want to be. And these things, doesn't matter if it's a disaster or a pandemic or a flood or fire, the type of person you are will just come out. It'll be louder and bigger than ever before during these kinds of things. And if you're already that guy that yells and screams and micromanages and everybody hates, this isn't going to make it better for you. <laughs> There's that saying that says, Absolute power corrupts absolutely. But in my opinion, power amplifies what you are, just kind of like money. So I think the takeaway there is, is to really be deliberate on what kind of leader and person you want to be. Because then, correct me if I'm wrong, but that becomes your North Star. So mm -hmm. when, you're, when you have lost your way to what you had said, the reason people stay off the path is because they don't know what looks like. And so from a leadership perspective, Jamie, what does a leader, in your opinion, because you're right, it varies, but what does a leader have to be somebody that others want to follow? I think it's a few things, Daryl. I think you, you got to look at what kind of team do you want? What kind of team are you trying to lead? Is it a small team, two or three people? You're running a small coffee shop. Is it a big team, a couple thousand firefighters? You're running a big city fire department. Is it a, you know, and so in whatever you're trying to do, what kind of team do you want? And you probably want people that are dedicated. You probably want people that are committed to what you're doing. You probably want people to show up on time, you want them to do a good job, you want them to care. If you want all of that from your team, you need to be that as the leader. Everybody else shows up at eight, you come in at nine, you're not really showing them much especially when you give them crap for being late. Okay. I heard you were in at eight Oh five when meanwhile you stroll in exactly. with a Starbucks. Even if you're the owner or you have this ultimate power as the leader, there's still some responsibility to lead the way that you want your team to be. And if you want to be respected, you have to be respectful, right? It's not uh, you, everybody gets some with a title, but it stops at some. You got to earn the rest just like everybody else. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the prime minister or the president or the king or queen of your country, you, you get some for that. But then if you don't do a good job, you're still going to get crapped on. And yeah. as a leader, it's the same sort of thing. What, how do you want your team to run? How do you want your company to run? How do you want your organization to run? And then lead in a way that helps get that going. And 
every time that I've worked in an organization where things go off the rails, it, it's because of leadership. Lack of it, the wrong leadership, the wrong way, accountability, those kinds of problems. And, and it's no different for everybody, right? So if you want to hold people accountable, you got to start with yourself. If you want a team that's dedicated and committed, you got to start with yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think you hit it earlier with regard to you have to give or be what you're expecting of other people. And that, that's an important kind of guideline for people. I think I really like that. So as we wrap this up, so Jamie Coots with X amount of years on front lines, saving lives, the hero that is Jamie Coots. What advice yeah, would you give? I got the paper cuts. To <laughs> that's a carpal tunnel. <laughs> So what would you say to the private sector? They're going through COVID right now, but crisis is different. There will be something else coming up. Maybe it's downsizing corporately or it's explosion in size or whatever, and, and which in a way is a form of crisis. What would you tell the manager in the private sector, corporate Canada, corporate America in terms of, if you were to sit them down for coffee for a couple of minutes, what, what would you tell them? Don't let this change. Be the kind of leader that you want to be. Figure out who that is and, and be that every day. And, and uh, don't let anyone else change you. Don't let anybody, anything else change you. If you got to make changes to make that work and make that happen, then make those changes and, and live with those changes. But at the end of the day, you, there's a lot of people relying on you to be a good leader, to be a good boss. And you, you got to make sure that you own that. Leadership is, it, it's tough. It's tough every day. You got to get up and drag your butt out there. And on the good days, it's easy. On the bad days, it's tough. On the worst days, it's even tougher. But uh, at the end of the day, every day, you got to drag your butt out there and, and do the best you can. And so the best you can has to be figured out, right? What is that? What kind of leader do I want to be? I love it. I love it. <sighs> Mr. Coots, my friend, fantastic. Thank you very much for being so open and uh, insightful. And uh, yeah, and I appreciate you, buddy. And I'm very grateful to have come into your universe. It's, it's been a good time. It has been. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thank you very much. We'll sign off right now. Thanks, Jamie.